Brian, that was a good song. I like that. Thank you for being here. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see everybody. Um, so I just, I know you've heard this already a couple of times probably, but I just want to welcome you all to, you said it was the, this was the 11th? I'm thinking it's the 13th. The first one was 2010. First one was 2010. So I think my math works. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Every year we've been doing this for a good number of years, our, our annual Bible conference. And so I'm, I know that I will, I'm speaking for Word First Bible Publishing team when I say that they are excited that you're here to do the work. Uh, they love doing the work, but they're excited because you're here to do the work to us alongside them to get, to get the job done. So thank you for being here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to have the privilege of handling the Word of God, sending them to where the many people are in need of having the Word of God, to get a Bible in their own hands. And so, you, as you probably have heard several times already, we're assembling 5,000 Spanish whole Bibles uh, and 30,000 John and Romans in Spanish. Uh, the Bibles are going to Central and South America. I don't know exactly where country is where, but Alan John, Alan uh, Johnson, what he does is weeds bearing precious seed. Um, he's, he took over the ministry. That ministry used to be run by a man that had a, had a pilot's license and a small private plane, and he would load his plane up with Bibles out of Bearing Precious Seed where we get our signatures, and he would fly them to Central and South America and try to find a place to land and dump them out real quick and get out of there before he got caught. Uh, and so Alan was, was, uh, kind of joined him in, in partnership, and then that man passed away, and Alan took over the ministry. You'll hear more about this later. I'm just telling you that because uh, I'm excited for him because these Bibles that we're doing for him, the 5,000 are going wherever he he needs them to be. Many Spanish-speaking countries uh, and other countries is actually other languages he ships. So we're good, we're good to partner with him. And then we're doing the 30,000 John and Romans that are going to uh, the Hendricksmen uh, when the next time they get a chance to run a shipment down there. So 30,000 John and Romans there. Your being here, I will say this, is evidence that you see the prospect of God's victory in those who will receive the word, not just in person, but their family, their own land, their country, their community. All of that will be changed and impacted because God's word does make a difference. And I think you all believe that. I hope you all believe that, that God's word does. You know, there was a time probably in your heart, and I know in my heart I will confess this, there was a time that I didn't believe the word of God could make a difference. And uh, and I, we're going we're gonna to touch more on that here in just a few minutes. And I will say this, when the word of God goes forward, souls are saved. Troubled families can be healed, and the world becomes a better place for everybody. That's what we want to see happen. So our theme, as you hear this year, and I think it's a picture, it's on the board already, um, the verse, Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 15, which I think is a really interesting, interesting verse. And So uh, if... It says, Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And it's interesting because the word, uh, the word found is a very powerful word. When you think about what that means to find something, to find, it actually means to find or to attain. It's a pretty straightforward, simple thing. But here's what I think is more important. The word find or I have found means to recover Important items. 
to recover something. I, when, uh, when I left this afternoon after being here all day trying to get set up for the conference, I left my Bible here. I went home. I finished up my notes for this message. And then I'm, I'm scrambling around the house trying, where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? I hope I left it at church. I hope I've, and so I, I come down here. I found my Bible in the, in the church. Praise the Lord for that because I have a Bible I can preach out of right now. Uh, but before we get into the word, I want to do two things. First, I want to pray, and then I want to, I want to make a plea. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll go to Father in heaven. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everything that we've heard so far. Thank you for the songs. Uh, Lord, your word is like honey, and we thank you for that. And your word is ancient because it's old, because it's, it's an eternal word. It's so important, and we thank you for that. Father, we pray that you would just be with us, keep everybody safe, keep keep the word flowing, keep... Keep uh, fellowship uh, uh, fruitful here in the word that and, and the opportunities that we have to get to know other people. And we just pray, Father, that you would guide and direct all that's going on. But one thing we ask, Lord, that you would that you would care for your word in a way that we have never seen you care for your word before. That would show us, Lord, how we should care for your word. And we just thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, so that was a prayer. Now let me give you the plea. So Bible conferences, I hate to say it, you know how it is, but Bible conferences are expensive. And so I'm just going to make a plea for just some donations, uh, just something. If you would calculate, I don't know how many, I don't know what the dollar amount per Bible. I know how much we're paying for the Bibles. Um, and uh, and so if you just you just say, I think I'll pay for, let's just, I'll tell you what, the Bibles are $3 a piece. And we're doing... 5,000 Bibles, so you can do the math and you can tell how much money we need. Now, God's going to take care of it and he's going to make sure that, that these Bibles get done and get shipped out of here. But if you have the opportunity to buy five Bibles, ten Bibles, help us with that. Do that, please. You can donate anytime this week. You can put it on an envelope. You can online it, you know, however you want to do that. But just give, give that consideration because we've got to pay for the shipping too. We're going to help Alan get them shipped. So all of that expense is going in here. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. So um, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 34, verse 15. Um, so I was talking about the, the, the idea of recovering important items, like a place or a possession or a goal, anything of value that you consider of value. Let me give you some examples out of the scripture. Uh, what it was like Proverbs chapter, 20, chapter 2, verse 44, verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 2. 4 and 5 says, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest her for as hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. How many of you want to have the knowledge of God? The only way you can have the knowledge of God is to seek and find it, to go searching for it. Because in many people's lives, the knowledge of God is lost right now today. In the world, it's, it's just not there in their life. Another example would be, you can find your, you can find in your own heart, how to love God and how to care about God. David uh, wrote a wrote a he, well, he said a prayer in Second Samuel chapter seven verse twenty seven. He said, "For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee in house. Therefore hath my servant, has thy servant, found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee." So he's, he's in the middle of a prayer. He's saying that. So the prayer starts in Second Samuel seven verse twenty one through verse twenty nine. And what David is talking about, he wants to have a heart towards God. And so he's revealing his heart in the passage here. 
So what does your heart look like? How would you reveal your heart towards God, not only back to God, but even to the rest of the world? Because the world needs to see your heart for God so that they can say, hmm, that might be something I might want to consider. Another example, that people can be found if they're lost. And we use that expression all the time. Well, are you lost? Are you saved? Have you been found? And so Luke chapter 9, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's talking about his your soul and the souls of the people in the rest of the world that they need to be found. And one last thing, just as a reminder of, of being found, sin will find you out. Sin will find you out in, in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. But if you, are, if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure that your sin will find you out. So to declare something or someone found on the, on the other side, of, okay, you find it, but doesn't find, when you find it, doesn't that bring great celebration? I mean, I was pretty happy I found my Bible in my office where I was hoping that it would have been because what would I have done if it wasn't there? That would have been, I mean, it would have broke my heart because I've had this Bible since I got saved and I don't want to lose it. I don't want it to get damaged. I don't want it to be uh, destroyed. I don't want it to be out of my possession for any moment if I can keep it. So anyway, to declare something or someone found brings a significant celebration. In Luke chapter five, uh, 15, verse 6, there's a time that uh, a, it was a, the, uh, the, the parable of the, the, the shepherd and it says, and when he cometh home, he collect together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, because what was some sheep were lost. And he comes home and he tells his neighbors, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. He found his sheep. You know, Jesus Christ, he rejoiced when you got saved. He rejoiced when you turned yourself to him. And the angels rejoice when people get saved, too. Why? Because it's a celebration. They got found. They're no longer lost. They got They got found. So this week is a celebration as much as it is a laborer. It's a labor of love, but it's a celebration. It's a celebration because everybody here, now this, you may haven't even thought about this yet, but everybody here has reasons to celebrate the time in your life when you can look back and remember when you found the book of the law. Every party that's saved, everybody that's a believer, there was a time when you found the word, you found the book of the law in, in your life. The book, of course, that I'm talking about is the Bible. Of course, that makes sense. And this week, it's about preparing Bibles to send to other nationalities and people groups that they may experience what you experienced when they can find the word in their life. I remember the day I found the book. I'll tell you what, it wasn't on a bookshelf. It was not, I mean, I have bought Bibles, you've bought Bibles, but that's not when I found the word. No, that wasn't it. I found it in the house of the Lord in a church who reverenced the book, who reverenced the word with an uplifting love and a passion for starting and sharing it with as many people as possible. That's what that's where I came out of was a church that loved the word of God. And if it wasn't for that church, I wouldn't know how to love the word of God. Let me tell you that right now, be honest with you. They treated the word of God as though it meant something, that it was worth my time to read it, to study it, to share it. I had a Bible in my bedroom as a young child, but I didn't know anything about it. So it wasn't found in my life. It was on the shelf, but it wasn't found in my life. I wouldn't know any first thing about a Bible when I was a kid. We didn't go to church. I didn't read, I didn't read the Bible. I'm telling you right now, you, it's a, it's a great privilege to say I found the book of the law in my life. 
when I heard the Bible proclaimed at that church the way God intended, that's when I found the, that's when I, these, I remember, I remember telling my wife, Julie, we, we had been going to church for, I don't know how many months, and I didn't, I wasn't saved yet, I didn't, I just, I didn't want to go to church, I didn't want, I didn't want to, I didn't want anything to do with it, and I rolled over, I was laying on the floor watching some movie or TV, I don't know what we were doing, and I looked up and I said, they really know their Bible, don't they? They go, they're verse by verse by verse by verse. I can't keep up with those people, but they really know their Bible. I remember saying, I'll never forget saying that to her because that made a difference in my life. They helped me find the word in my life. I found out just how important it was and how important it should be to everybody that claims Christ as Savior. After all, it was the word of God that led to your salvation. I mean, I had all kinds of arguments. Maybe you have had arguments before against church, against the Bible, against God, against Christ, all that. I mean, and these, this church was whittling them away. They didn't know what they were doing it. But they were whittling away every one of my arguments and my attacks against the church and the Bible and God and all that. And it was like one day I was like, I don't have anything else to say. I guess it's true. Man, that was when I found the word. I was like, oh, my God, I need to get saved. And I did. I got found, praise the Lord. And you know Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. You, everybody's familiar with that passage. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in, the, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And so it's the scripture that made a difference in my life. It's the scripture that we need, we want to need to help people find. So what I want to do here before we start putting hands on the work tonight and the next, next several days is to examine why the book was lost in this chapter. Why was the book lost? I mean, just an, it's an amazing thing. So we want, I'm gonna, I want to kind of dig into that, why it was lost in this passage, and to consider the importance of it being found by everybody. So, um, let me ask a couple of quick questions. Why did the book of law need to be found to begin with in this passage? Why did it need to be found to begin with? Or better yet, let me ask it this way. How did it become lost to begin with? How, how How is it that they lost the word? I mean, it's not like leaving my Bible in my office. I mean, it technically wasn't really lost. It was just, I'm in a panic because I had to get here and find my, I needed the Bible. And so let me just give you two possible reasons. Now, I can't support this with scripture, although I could build a case, I think, around all this kind of stuff. But two two possible reasons that I think that they were lost and how why it became lost. And this may happen to you if you're not careful. It was lost because they had forgotten to do anything with it. They forgot to do something with the Bible. You know how that is. You don't touch your Bible for a couple weeks, a couple months. It's like, oh yeah, what chapter was I in? And you know, so you totally forgot it. A second reason is because it's lost, possibly anyway. I'm, these are just my my suppositions, because they never gave it their time to be in it. And I and I think I can build a case for what we're going to see here with, jo, with Josiah. 
Uh, so to be clear, the book that was lost, was were, that was the writings of Moses. Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy real quick. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Okay, so what 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 is what they found? What what it was lost was the writings of Moses, which in, in the it's called the Book of the Law, and you might hear heard those five books of Moses referred to as the Pentateuch or the Torah. The Jews like to refer to it as the Torah, but in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, verse twenty-four, it says. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book. That's the book. This one here. That's what they found. They, they lost it. They found it. And it goes on. He says, um, 24, uh, Moses made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were, were finished. Okay. So that's, okay. So that's the book. But here's the thing. The people should never have, should have never been without the word because Moses commanded his writings to be kept in the ark, which is to be kept in the temple. They shouldn't have been more than a couple steps away from the temple. I don't know how far it was from the from the the, temp, the, the, the throne of the king to the temple, but it not that far. He couldn't. He could walk. He should have been able to just walk over there and, and look at it. Then the point is in here. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, verse twenty-six. Look what twenty-six says: Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there. For a witness against thee. Moses knew that if he didn't tell them where they could find it, they would lose it. You know how your kids are. You tell them, you tell your kids where their stuff is, and then they come, they come back later. I can't find it. I can't find it. It's right where I told you to go look at it. And they go back and I found it. Cause you know where it was at. You, you told them that's where it was at. And so every king, was supposed to have their own copy. So not only did you have the, the original, I'll use this phrase, the original writing of Moses was to be kept in the ark. And then they had another copy, which was every king was supposed to have made their own copy. Look over in Deuteronomy 17. Uh, so in the same book, but chapter 17 and verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 18, Deuteronomy 17, 18. Okay, it says, and it shall be when the, when he sitteth, talking about the king, sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which be before the, let me do this again. Verse 18, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his, of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is the before the priests, the Levites. So basically what he's instructed to do in Deuteronomy, is to take the book that's in the ark and make himself a copy. Okay, so why did he? Why was? Why did God want to do that? Well, look at verse nineteen. Look at Deuteronomy seventeen nineteen. And it shall be the king when, and it shall be with it shall be with him the copy, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and those statutes. To do them, that his heart be not lifted up, verse 20, 
uh, above his brethren, that he would not turn aside from the commandment of the of, aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So he's supposed to make a copy of the word of God so that he, the king, had a book to read out of every day. And his copy was there for him to learn to fear God, to keep his words, to do them all. And you know what? We're all supposed to do that as well. I suspect, though, very few kings invested the time needed to make their own copy, that, to, to guide the king, that was, that was lost by never being penned. The king never penned his own copy, and so he didn't know where to go get his own word to read. He didn't have a copy to read. He became a king at eight years old. Let me back up here a second here. Um, okay, let's go on back to verse, chapter 34, Second Chronicles chapter 34. Okay, so it, it's a, it was apparent, uh, <clears throat> let me back up a little bit further here and finish up the thought about him not making his own copy. Probably most believers today would not invest their own time today to make their own copy of the Bible for their own use. Now what I'm saying is, how many people in this room would, maybe you've done it, and if you have, praise the Lord. But how many of you have actually written out your own copy of the Bible? Well, I, I, I confess that I have not done the entire Bible, but every book that I study, I write the entire book out first. And then I write it again by chapter. And then I study it, and then if, if I'm going to teach out of it, I will break it down even further. But I will write it and write it and write it and write it. Now, that's not the whole Bible, but that's what the king was supposed to do. And you're all kings and priests, the Bible says. So would you be willing to write your own Bible, to make your own copy of the Word of God, and then use it for your own study time and for your own preaching time and teaching time and so on? Apparently, making a, a personal copy by, of the, by the king fell away quickly to the king's daily activities. You know how it is. people get busy. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll work on the chat. I'll work on next chapter next week, and the next week comes. Well, still next week. You know, next week never comes. So it's always I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. Okay, so now we're back in Second uh, Chronicles 13, thirty-four verses one and two. So let me just read that because we're going to jump into. I'm going to show you some things that are in, really interesting about the fact that they lost it and they need to find it. And what does that mean? So chapter one, chapter 34, verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Okay, well, that sounds really good. I mean, that's the kind of king who we want. We want a guy like that. But he still makes some mistakes. He, he became king at eight years old. He reigned for 30 years, and in his, during his reign, he did supposedly what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But in his early, his early reign, he, he took an interest in the Lord. Contrary to his father, King Ammon, he, King Ammon was one of the evil kings. Um, he was assassinated for his wicked leadership. And verse, but notice verse 2. 
This is an interesting thing. Verse 2 says about that he, he walked in the ways of David, his father. So he, David was his mentor. David was his model, model king. He, he watched David, which sounds like a great thing. But who should we model our life after? Really, more like Jesus Christ, not David. I mean, David did some great things, and David was a type of Christ, and we all know those, the picture and how that works. But you know what? We should be, in fact, I think the Bible says, walk in the spirit, and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not walk in David's example, or not walk in, I hate to say this, I, I'm, this is not to be slamming anybody, but don't walk in the, in the example of Pastor Brian, or Pastor Randy, or any other pastor here. Walk in the, walk in the example of Jesus Christ. When he became eight, uh, let's see, he, in his early reign, he took an interest in the Lord, and he, contrary to his father, King, uh, King Amon, and so on. And verse 2 says that about David. So when we look ahead, and we look at verse 19, go drop down to verse 19. This is interesting, because he's trying to follow David. But in verse 19, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And there's a reason. We'll get into the re- reason why he rent his clothes in a minute. But that basically means he was stunned. He was surprised at what the word said. You know why he was surprised? Because he didn't have a copy to read every day. So he didn't know what was what was in there because he hadn't been doing what he's supposed to do. He's following after David. He's trying to. David did right. David did good things. David David did a lot of things that were right. Um, and so okay, so we could try to track that down like that. But really. He didn't have the word, and he was commanded to make the to copy his own word, and and read it every day, and study it, and do what it says. Probably Josiah did not have his own copy of the law because he just didn't take the time to write it. Um. So it's possible that this was the first time that he had ever heard the word preached or read. I hope that's not the case, but it's very it's very possible that that was the first time that he actually heard the word in such a way that he found the book now he didn't find the book yet but the book came into his life in that in that situation okay but starting in verse three and on down we'll we'll keep keep moving because this is the rest of this is important as well for in the eighth year verse three in his in his reign when he was yet young he began to seek after the god of david that's what he's that's what he's supposed to do seek after god anyway he goes to seek after God, the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and in the images that were on high, high above them. He cut down and he, he cut down and the groves and the and carved images and the molten images. He break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto him, and he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleaned and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And that's pretty powerful stuff there he's, talk, he's talking about. So in verses verses 3 to 7, he took an interest in God, contrary to his father, um, and he purged, in verses 3 and 4, it says he purged the high places and the groves. So what does that mean? So the high places essentially are, are raised places, they're, they're hills, just like a, hill, a high hill, and the worship would take place on the high hill. Why? Why? Why is that significant? Because they're trying to duplicate God's throne, God's mountain. 
So they wanted the pagans, the pagan worshippers, the false idol worshippers wanted to put something up high because God is up high and they wanted to replace God. And the groves The groves are attempts to cover up and hide behind, hide false worship and, and idolatry behind bushes and trees and, and in the woods so you can't see. And you know, that's a great place to hide. When you were a kid, did you, did you like hide in the woods? Play hide and seek in the woods? I did. That's a great place to hide. But that's what they, that's what it means by groves. But he came, he comes in, he did something very quite un, unpleasant. He broke the pieces of the high, high places and he burned them. And he, and then he took all of the ashes and all the remaining pieces and he put them on top of, uh, the, the bones of the pagan worshipers and he burned them as well. And it's interestingly enough, this was prophesied actually in the Bible. Turn over to 1 Kings chapter 3, chapter 13 real quick. 1 Kings 13 verses 1 and 2. This is the prophecy of Josiah doing exactly what he did. It says, and behold, there came a man of God out of the, out of Judah, by the word of the, of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high place that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. So he's just doing what God has already planned for him to do. So he cleaned up also in verses 6 and 7. He cleaned up the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and Naphtali. He's, he's cleaning up the whole place. He's getting rid of all these high places. He's purging false idols, false worship. Then we get to verse 8. In verse 8, he says, Now in the 18th year, no, not so 18 years later, so he's 26, uh, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azalah, and Messiah, uh, the governor of the city, and jo, uh, Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of, the, of his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the, high, the house of God, which, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and all of the remnant of Israel, and they uh, and all of Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. I'm just going to pause there. Um, you guys can read on down the rest of a couple of verses here. But the point is this: He took an interest in the condition of the temple. He took an interest in the condition of the temple. Verse eight: He is his 18th year, 26 years old. He turned his attention to rebuilding and repairing the temple, the, what we would call a church today. It's like, how can we help? And it's been it's been really cool to see things happening in this church here, where things have 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 been helped by people saying, you know what, we need we need to repair the church, we need to, we need to rebuild it and do some things, make some changes. In verse nine, he delivered money that had been raised by the people, all the way back in chapter twenty four, verse eight to eleven. We won't take the time to turn there, but back there in eight in chapter twenty four, um, there was money raised and it was given to the workers to repair and to correct mistakes. That's the word. Amends, if you look at verse 10, the word amends is, is, is almost at the last couple of word, uh, words in verse 10. You know how to, the word amend? It means to make things right. You know, we, we, uh, we say, you know, I need to make amends, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to make amends. So I'm going to correct my error, correct my mistake. I'm going to make amends. So some of the reasons that he desired to repair the temple 
And it's interesting. He he said, hey, there's something wrong with the temple. Not only is the high high places and the groves need to be destroyed, but there's something going on in the temper that needs to be dealt with as well. So um, there's a couple of reasons that he desired to rebuild the temple. And it was because of the the purging of the land of of the worship locations that I just mentioned and the need for people to return to worshiping God. Now, if you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1 again, well, you don't have to turn there. I'll just say what it says. King Solomon desired to build a house worthy of God's name and a house for the kingdom to come to worship. But because the temple had been attacked by Babylon many, numerous times by now uh, and been attacked and, and uh, ch- uh, char- uh, attempted to be destroyed, he needed some, some things that needed to be done. But according to verse 10, the repairs were to amend the damage, and this is interesting, caused by the evil kings of Judah. The evil kings of Judah, they did worse than the enemies by bringing false worship and idols into the, into the throne, of, uh, into the temple. In 2 Kings chapter 21, I, w- I would have you turn here, 2 Kings chapter 21. And I want you to go to verse 3 through 5. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed, because Hezekiah did the same thing. And he made a grove and did Ahab, king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, on which the Lord said in Jerusalem, will I, will I put my name? And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his sons pass through the fire and observe times and use enchantments and dealt with the with the familiar spirits and wizards, he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. This guy is doing exactly what we're not supposed to do, worship false gods and, and have false worship. He's doing it in the house. It would be like somebody coming in here and preaching devil devil messages right here in this spot right here. Devil, they didn't put up with that. And God didn't want to put up with it either. Jo, Josiah, praise the Lord, he didn't want to put up with it anymore either. He wanted to get rid of it. So um, Amon, his father, followed his father's followed his father's wickedness and did the same thing. So it wasn't just one king; it was many kings that were doing it. So that's the second reason why the, the temple needed to have some work done on it, and because the people needed to see the work that they gave the funds for that it was complete. Just like all of us, they put their money where they believed it would do the most good, and they wanted to see it make make a change. They wanted to see it work. They wanted to see a difference in what's happening here. And then we get to verse 15. and Go back in 2 Chronicles 34. We get to verse 15. And Hilkiah answered and said, uh, I'm going to go back to verse 14. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law given by Moses. See, it is Moses' book. It's the word he found. The, he found Moses' writing. It would be like some, somebody went, went and dug in a dug in a, a cave someplace and came out with the, the original manuscripts of Paul. That would not. That would be like what he. This what this he just found the original manuscripts of 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 uh, Moses. Verse tw- verse fifteen. He goes on. And he says, 
And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, all that thou, that was committed to do to thy servants, they do it. And he goes on. And so what's the significance in refining the word in, in this situation? I would say that Josiah was not on a treasure hunt. He didn't know the word was missing. You know, it's not like, well, I know where the Titanic is. I'm going to go find it. It's not like he, it's, it's not like that. He didn't know the word was missing. Many people don't know that the word is missing in their life. But he went, but this effort that, uh, to repair the temple re- resulted in a very significant discovery. And it was this discovery should not have been so significant, but it was, and it was a world, and it's, it's worldwide as well. The men involved in finding the book of these two guys, Hilkiah, I just go real quick and give a little explanation of who these guys are. He was the high priest while Josiah was at, was reigning as king. His name means my share is the Lord. He was the administrator of the restoration and repair of the temple. He had the job of Steve Fleshman. Where's Steve? I saw Steve come in here a minute ago. He's over there. Okay, well, Steve, Steve's responsible for making sure the house gets taken care of. So that's what Helkiah was responsible for. And then Shaphan, he's the king's personal scribe, serving as the king's messenger. And he delivered the book to Josiah, and then he got the privilege of reading it to him. Notice these two men. This is interesting. One is a priest, and one is a messenger. Just like we are supposed to be priests of God and messengers to the world. The one guy took, took care of the word. One guy took care of the, the, dis, the distribution or, or um, distribution. I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. Let me look at it here. I'll find it here real quick. Um, deliver. Deliver the word. That's what I'm looking for. Sorry. So, um, okay, so let me just kind of wrap this thing up here. So there's an impact. Once they found the book, when the book was given to the king, a lot of start, things started changing. Josiah now had direct word from God instead of stories of prior kings in their efforts. He didn't, he wasn't, he didn't have to go back and like, well, what did David do? What did, what did, what did Hezekiah do? He could go right to the source. What did God say? Isn't it great that we can go to God's, the source? You want to know what God thinks about something? Go to the source and find out what he thinks. You don't have to worry about what people say on the Facebook. You don't have to worry about what people say on YouTube or any of those other things. Just go to the book because the book has the answer. The book has the, has the truth about how we should respond to whatever that situation is. It, it, it makes a difference. Now he could do, could and he did make a difference by hearing from God. And it, so I'm going to wrap this up, but let me just give you nine things, nine results of a, somebody who has found the book. Nine things in your life. You may not even realize that these nine things have happened, but they all happened to you. We're going to start in verse 19. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. I know I've read that verse, but let me just explain a little bit more. To rend your clothes, to tear, is an expression in the Jewish culture of sadness and and up, being upset and being being completely overwhelmed by negativity. Basically, this is sorrow expressed as of any for any guilt that he's carried. So Josiah rent his clothes because he realized that he had not been reading the Bible. And so he's, he's guilty in his own heart. And so he tore his clothes. He just, 
you know, grabbed them, popped the buttons. I don't know exactly how all that works, but that is a custom in, in Jewish people, Jewish times, you know, in the Old Testament, to, to rend your clothes because you're overwhelmed with, with frustration. So first, the first thing that happens to people is you start to express guilt because you start recognizing, well, I need to get saved. When the Bible came to you, just like it came to me, it communicated to you that you need to get saved. And you were guilty of not being saved. You were guilty of the, of the shed blood of Christ, and you made a difference. I made a difference. You all made a difference. There was guilt there. In verse 21, there's two things happened in verse 21. First part of verse 21. Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of God that is poured out on, upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. Okay, so the first thing that, that, that uh, having a book in your life does is it creates a, a reason to pray. You know what? You know you can pray now because God's talking to you in his word and now you can talk to God. And there's always kind of all kinds of examples of, of prayer in the Bible. So now you can pray. Not only that, but verse 21 also tells us how we can recognize that God's judgment is coming. That makes that puts a little bit of uh, anticipation on what we need to do as a responsible believer, what we, what we need to do to get the word out, why we make Bibles, to get the word out in countries that we can't get to. So we'll send a Bible. And if we have a place of a person that we can send them to, praise the Lord, that, that, that distributes them even better. Uh, verse 27, drop on down to verse 27. But because thine heart was tender and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humbledest thyself before me and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. So in verse 27, it, you, you learn how to be humble. You learn just, you learn how to be, the Word of God teaches you how to be humble. And it's an, too many people like, like to be prideful. And, uh, pride, as, as we know, is, uh, one of the tools of the devil to get people crossways with each other, crossways with the church, crossways with God. Pride is never a good thing. So hum, humility is the, is the, is the, the counter to pride. In verse 30, uh, we go down to verse 30, and then the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of the Jerusalem. The whole city went to, went to church. That's, and that's an extra. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. So in verse 30, public readings and proclamations are started. When you when you you have a Bible, and I mean maybe you don't, but most of us should feel like I need to proclaim this word to the world. I need to do something to get the word out to the world. The Bible conference is to get the word out to the world, whether it's Spanish or Portuguese or uh, Ukrainian. I can't even think all the language. We Farsi. I think we've done about twelve or. 14 different languages in the, in the 13 years that we've done this. Um, and so 
We're just trying to get the word out to those people so they can find the book in their life. Two more and we'll be done here. We'll wrap up. Uh, Verse 31. There's two things in verse 31 that we see. Verse 31. And the king stood in the place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandment and his testimonies and his statutes with his whole heart, with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant, which are written in this book. So in verses 30, verse 31, two things. First, we make a covenant with God. You've all, if you're saved, made a covenant with God. I accept Christ as my Savior. He, he died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood. That's a covenant relationship that's established. So we have a covenant made with God. Not only a covenant in our salvation, but a covenant in our activity. I will do what I can to proclamate God's word. And then the th- second thing in, in chapter 31 is we, we, become a, we, have an, we develop an obedient spirit. There's a lot of people who claim to be Christians that are about as obedient as this chair. They just, they don't do anything. They won't. They, they, re, they reject whatever God is trying to do in their life. They are definitely not obedient. Two more, verse 32. And he, and he, uh, he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. That's an interesting phrase, to stand to it. I'll tell you what that means in just a moment. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, their God, the God of their fathers. So to stand to it means to take a take a stand. They they took a stand. They they took an agreement to be firm in their belief. I will not move off of the King James Bible. I have seen too many people make that statement, and then one time, and then all of a sudden, it's like I will I will not move off the King James Bible, except for maybe over here, and, and you know, kind of fudge it a little bit. Next thing you know, they're using. Anything but. And it's a terrible thing because they lost their ability to stand to it. And the last verse we'll look at is verse 33. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the house, out of the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they didn't, they departed not from following the Lord their God of the God of their fathers. There was an unequivocal, unequivocal intention to avoid false worship and to not waver from following the Lord. So that's almost the same thing as an agreement to stand, stand to it and being obedient. But basically this, that's verse 33 talks about an unequivocal intention to avoid false worship. You're going to stay away from it. Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children and made all that were present to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. In all his days, they departed not. They departed not. They didn't change. They kept doing the same thing. So that's what happens when you find the book. That's what happened to you, hopefully, when you found the book. And that's what we're about. We're about helping people find the book. In, the, in their life. And so we're going to do Bibles as long, as long as we can. In this church, we're going to make Bibles all the time. Signatures, John and Romans, uh, New Testaments, whatever we get an opportunity to do. We've got Bibles in, in underway right now to two, at least two different countries. I think I'm beeping up here. My box is beeping. So, um, so we've got Bibles going out right now that we, that you're not even going to get involved in, but the Bible ministry is doing that. We're, we're making Bibles go. 
Anyway, let me just conclude here for the sake of time, because I don't know how one I was supposed to finish. But So the purpose of this conference, like I said, is to get the book to the hands of those who have a little opportunity to find the book of the law for themselves, to see God transform them, their home, their country, and their community through the word. And the importance of this week is to make and distribute Bibles motivated by the desire. You should be motivated by the desire to see God rebuild the lives of current and new believers who are part of the temple of God. And I'll give you one last verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17. Know ye not that you are the temple of the God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, he shall him shall God destroy, for the temple is God's, of God is holy, which temple ye are. The point of that right there, just as a reminder, just like Je- just like Josiah wanted to rebuild and repair the temple, maybe maybe in our lives, in some of our lives here, I don't know, maybe just some of us, uh, maybe the, the, you as part of the temple of God need to be re- repaired and reconciled and restored. And if that's the case, then this is a good week to start it. So don't don't let this week go by without being here this week to put your hands on the word of God so somebody else in another part of the world can find the book and get the same opportunity to be restored to, to a fellowship with God to accomplish everything that God wants to happen. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the, today. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the, the passage that we've, that we've seen here and just the incredible... Um, challenge that it presents us father and i ask for your blessing on the rest of the week keep us all safe help us to be able to accomplish everything get the work done on time and on schedule and we just praise you for it all in jesus name amen amen well what a good challenge and a great start to the conference um i tell you so in short what pastor randy is saying is Right. If we're going to see others find the book, what do we need to do? Find the book. What a what a hypocrisy it would be if we came every night, or every day, and we worked and labored and, and put all these Bibles together, but we didn't take time ourselves to invest in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to sink down in our heart. So uh, thanks, Randy, for letting us set for setting the priorities. And also, uh, one of the things that we've already talked about last Sunday is the need to really take seriously the impact of these Bibles, where they're going and upon the people they're going to. And we've got to be people of the book if we want to see other people be people of the book. Remember Randy's testimony at the beginning? What really made him a man of the book was that he saw other people who found the book, right? And you can tell when people believe in this book. You know, they're not just talking about it because we say amen. They're reading the Bible. They're praying. They're investing their life in the words of God. They're studying God's word. So let's be people of the book because we don't want to be like those those in a the time of Josiah, they lost the book. It was in the it was in the ark all along, right where Moses told them it would be, and yet nobody took the time to find the book, right? To find the book. I was just reading my uh, this morning in my daily reading. There was a time when uh, one of the kings of Israel and Judah actually he was so fired up about the Bible. He says, "You know what? I'm going to get people to go teach the book." And you know what happened when he started teaching the book? Those nine things that Randy just mentioned started just happening, right? So if those things aren't happening in our lives, it's probably because we're not. We're not putting out what God's put in, right? So it's not just about taking it in. It's also about getting it out. And that's what we're trying to do at the Bible conference in a very literal way. Uh, it's not just come and, and feast and feast and feast, but we got to get the word out. One of the ways we do that is through Bible publishing. And so you heard the, the prayer that Randy put out, but you also heard the plea, 
right? The plea. So uh, he said 15, roughly, if you do the math, fifteen thousand dollars. They could do. We could use seventeen to cover the cost of the covers. I'll say that for Pastor Randy. And if you just want to be generous, probably thirty-five thousand would cover a new binder. So I'm going to put that out there. Uh, so. Um, on top of that. So, uh, but we got two binders that are running and we're thankful for what we do have. Uh, but someday we are going to trust the Lord for more. And so I do put that out there in all sincerity, but I'm not, but today we just want to cover the cost of, of the conference by God's grace. And as Randy said, he will, but maybe, uh, that's a huge number, but like Randy said, maybe three Bibles, right? So $15, I can invest $15 or you said $3 a Bible. So five Bibles, you can invest $15 or three Bibles. You can invest $9, whatever God leads you to. Uh, some of you can do more. Some of you can do cases, right? So whatever the Lord puts on your heart, uh, that will help offset the cost of the conference this, this week. I don't want to put a plea out for that. I just want to really just, uh, just kind of touch on those things. I thank Pastor Randy for, uh, for putting the word out. We're not going to have an altar call per se, but I do want you to stand, uh, where you are right now. And, uh, as we consider what God said to each and every one of us, I pray that there's things God can, can take away in our hearts and that you're challenged to the core. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, Pastor Randy's example, uh, Lord, uh, not just what he says, but what he lives. And it's in a challenge to all of us. And we're thankful for him. We're thankful for Julie. We're thankful for all these that have gathered today. I'm thankful for the Word First Bible publishing team that has put in so much work today and, uh, and, uh, and yesterday and throughout this week in preparation. Lord, there's a lot of people, a lot of moving parts that are already weary. And, and uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to keep us from being weary and well-doing. Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, continue to bring people to help. Lord, that we would encourage one another. Lord, in love and good works, Lord, that we would be about the business right now of really putting our hand to the plow and putting some Bibles together, because that is why we are here. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, give us the grace that we need, not to depend on our own wisdom, our own flesh, but Lord, we need to get to work, and we pray, God, that you would give us the grace to get a lot of work done and get the work done on time, as Pastor Randy was just saying. We're thankful for this message we've heard. Lord, may it just uh, spark in us and encourage us in uh, in the work that you have given us. I pray, God, if there's any unholiness in our lives, Lord, uh, this is a whole Holy work, Lord. I pray, God, that we would not be handling the holy word with with unholy hearts. And Lord, may we sanctify our hearts afresh tonight. Lord, if there's anything that is not confessed and forsaken, Lord, I pray, God, that you would remind us and give us mercy as we confess that to you and we work through those nine things. And, and the fear of the Lord is part of that, Lord. Genuine repentance is part of that. And Lord, a zeal to do what you call us to do is part of that. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would purify our hearts uh, as you've already purified us on the cross. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you for your sufficiency. Lord, thank you for making us whole. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would claim who we are in Christ right now and go forth in mighty power to accomplish your mission and your in your power for your glory. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stay standing because we're not done. I got you standing to get you started. But I want to bring Pastor uh, uh, Bob up here. He's going to encourage us in uh, anything that we need to know before we get ready to go and accomplish the work.